This is the second episode in which I'm taking you through the seven-step process to be more trusted. In the previous episode, you went through step one and identified one relationship you want to be more trusted at. In this episode, you will go through step two and identify one bad thing that you are doing in that relationship that is holding you back from being more trusted. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this podcast, I will share with you everything that I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust. But not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. It's almost like I'm reading the book of trust to you, but with no holding back and no BS. And we are in step two. And in step two, we're going to identify that one bad thing that's holding you back from being more trusted in the one relationship that you have identified in step one. So first of all, why a bad thing and not a good one? So why not start with identifying, oh, you should do this. And as a result, you're going to be more trusted. More, most uh, trust frameworks really focus on these are the type of things that you have to do to be more trusted. But you already know that my framework says that trust is relative and the same thing is not going to have the same impact. And, and one of the best analogies I heard uh, recently was that uh, if you put what, what happens to a, an egg if you put it in boiling water, it becomes hard. What happens to a potato if you put it in hard in boiling water? It becomes soft. So the same thing will have different effects. So it is important that we identify one thing and you have. Uh, why bad thing and not a good uh, one? When I talked about positivity in the second season, positivity as one of the six components of uh, being more trustworthy, I mentioned and, and I told you about the research that was done that showed that we react to bad a lot stronger than we react to good. So when you are doing something bad in a relationship, the impact on trust, losing trust, is much bigger than the impact, the positive impact that adding one more positive thing will have on trust in that relationship. Well, so if you eliminate that one bad thing, the overall impact on increasing trust is going to be significantly higher. Some would say uh, use the critical positivity ratio or the Losada ratio of 2.9013. Doesn't matter. Bad is stronger than good. So this is why we want to focus on eliminating one bad thing. Now, uh, this is a, uh, a line that, that I kind of stole from one of my most favorite TV shows, Newsroom. Uh, the best way to solve any problem is to recognize there is one, that you have one. I actually used it uh, or a similar thing to it in my TED Talk. Uh, so we need to identify the problem first. And this is this is our diagnosis part. So step one and this one, step two, are the diagnosis part. So how do you know? 
I mentioned again in, in the previous uh, in, in the previous step, step one, that the best way is to ask them. Again, we're making the assumption that the other person trusts you enough to give you that feedback. If they don't trust you, remember, if they trust you, they're 106% more likely to give you feedback. If they don't trust you, well, they're, then they're 50%, even more than 50% less likely to give you that, that kind of feedback. So uh, don't ask them if, if they're not open to, to give you feedback. If, if you do ask them, find the right time and place and I'll talk about that. My guess is in the next season, I'll talk about giving feedback like you care, taking feedback like it matters. But uh, for now, I'll just tell you, if you want to get feedback, find the right time and the right place to ask. You may want to just ask someone else who knows them. And once again, that was uh, for me in Texas Instruments when I moved to Texas uh, to run a business unit. Uh, my people had a trust issue with me. Uh, okay, let, let's just call it what it is. I was not trustworthy enough, okay? Uh, but they didn't say it because guess what? They didn't trust me enough to give me that feedback and suffer whatever consequences are, are going to come out. And it took a third person to come in and say, they don't trust you enough. And uh, I asked him what it was, and he said, because you communicate with them over email and you never leave your office, even though their offices are pretty close. So there, we're, we're making a step forward towards how did I fix my, my own issue? How do I fix my own issue? Be very sensitive to their reactions when, uh, when they tell you. So uh, when you're asking someone, uh, be very sensitive to uh, uh, when they say, you know, be very sensitive, kind of try try yourself to detect what is it that uh, makes them trust you less. You might be doing something and all of a sudden you're going to see the reaction from someone and you're going to go, well, that was probably a bad thing that I'm doing. So if you decide now that you don't know, you don't have anybody to ask, they don't trust you enough to tell you, then you're going to have to be more sensitive to what they feel about you. So when you're in a meeting, when you interact with them and so on, just, just look at them and try and come out of that meeting asking yourself, what did I do wrong in that meeting? So in their eyes. So what, what was, when did they have a negative reaction, some kind of a negative reaction to something uh, that I did during that meeting or any other interaction with them? So again, uh, you're going to use empathy and empathy means, it's not sympathy, it's not compassion. It means your ability to see things from their perspective as if you were them. Because remember, you're not trying to judge yourself based on your own standards. You're trying to do that based on their standards. Uh, it's easier if your standards are higher, and you may think that your standards are higher, because that means that um, uh, whatever, if you live up to your standards, you're definitely living up to theirs because theirs are lower. It's harder if their standards are higher than yours because you may think, well, that's not a big deal that I do that. Well, they do. They think it's a big deal. So uh, judge yourself. You, you, you're looking. Now, the other thing that makes it, it harder is that you're looking at yourself. So you're looking at yourself. It's hard for you to get into another person's shoes or, or see things from their perspective, looking at you and telling you yourself that you're doing something wrong. So it's harder, but, but you can do that. Uh, another way in, in my course, Trusted at Work, uh, there is an assignment. So this would be assignment. Uh, well, actually, this, this is assignments two through six. And then seven is the one where you actually state 
what is that one thing that you're doing wrong? There is a 7A, an assignment 7A, and that is to do an anonymous or an open feedback form to ask multiple people. So again, it's not that we're trying to be trusted in multiple relationships at once. We're going to focus on one relationship, but you may ask multiple people as to what are the type of things that you're doing that's holding you back from being more trusted. So whether it's anonymous, whether it's in the open, just ask them. Take what you get with a grain of salt. Um, is it really trust that they're giving you back what, what they're saying? Uh, is it that you know they're just starting to come up with a laundry list of all the things that you're doing wrong, that some of which are, are not related to, to trust? And, and are those things real? You, you need to get to the real root cause. Well, what is that, that one thing? I mean, they may tell you something that you're doing wrong that, that's really a symptom of something that you're doing wrong. It's not really the thing you're doing wrong. It's just a symptom or, or a derivative. I want you to keep in mind one more thing. And that's something that I'll talk more about uh, probably in the next season when I do the uh, uh, give feedback like you care, take feedback like it matters. I want you to remember that from what they're saying, 10% may be true. Okay, 90% is not. 10% is true, but 100% is true in perception. 100% of what they say is how they perceive you, unless they're lying to you and I don't know what, they're, they're, they're massaging the reality. But keep in mind that if this is what they see, if this is what they tell you and you go, this is not what I do, well, this is what they think you do. And their level of trust in you is not a function of your objective behavior or, or your behavior according to your standards. How they, how they trust you, the level of trust they have in you is based on their perception of you. And 100% of what they tell you is true in perception. So which one are we going to pick up? I, I mean, you're doing a lot of things in the relationship with that person. Uh, some of those things are good. Some of those things are bad. Are we going to work on the good things and, and make them stronger? No, we're not. Remember, bad is stronger than good. We're, we're going to focus on the bad ones. Which one is the worst? Find the one thing that you're doing that's the worst thing, and that's the one that you want to work on. When you ask them, what is it that you're doing that's holding you back from being trusted? What is the negative, the bad thing that you're doing that's holding you back from being more trusted by them? Think about the six components of trustworthiness. Remember the who you are, competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry or fairness. And the what you do, the three dynamic components, what you do during an interaction, and that's your positivity, made of the level of BS and empathy or self-centrism that, that you exhibit in the interaction, accelerated by the time and intimacy. So ask them questions along those lines, kind of a prodding questions, kind of a guiding question. So let's take competence. I'm going to give you a few more examples in a few minutes. Uh, let's talk about competence, for example. So do you think I'm good at my job? Uh, in the context of the specific thing that you want to be more trusted uh to do. Personality compatibility. Uh, is there anything that I do that annoys you on a regular basis? Uh, positivity. What, what is it that I'm doing when we interact? 
So, you know, the, the who you are, the, those are kind of questions like uh, more generic about you. What do you think about me? And uh, the uh, dynamic components, the what you do parts are questions like, do I do something when, when we meet, when we interact? Uh, my communication style. You, you, I, I like to communicate via text messages. Is that is that way, your way of communicating? Again, personality compatibility and, and different methods of communications. They're per, they're relative. They're personal. They're different. We're different, and nobody is good or bad. So, for example, I get annoyed when the person I talk to is on their phone texting on their phone because I don't really believe that they can uh, mul really multitask. Other people don't care. So especially younger people, if, if I text while, while they talk to me, they, they understand it because they do uh, the same. So again, we're looking for things from their perspective. Am I spending enough time with you? Would you rather me spend more time with you? Uh, are you okay with the, with communicating over text or email or do you prefer face-to-face -face meetings and so on? So the, these are kind of prodding questions. And again, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you uh, a little more. In the workbook of trust and in the courses Trusted at Work, the online courses Trusted at Work, you have specific worksheets. So assignments two, three, four, five, and six actually have specific worksheets along the lines of those six components. So yes, two of those components are on one worksheet. And uh, use them, you can use them uh, as self-assessment forms, or you can use them to uh, uh, guide when you ask another person, because if you look at them, and, and I'm gonna give you a few examples here, uh, you can use them to, uh, well, you can give them the forms and say, would you mind looking at, uh, some of them are kind of a scale, five-point scale, some of them are open-ended. It's like to be for, for you to consider me to be more competent at my work. What is the number one, two, and three things that you would like me to do? And then once you rank them one, two, and three, how, in, how good am I at each one of them? Uh, there's some that are more generic I'll, I'll take you through. Uh, so you can give them the form and ask them to fill that. Just keep in mind, I don't know how long that's going to take. Uh, when you give it to them, uh, what do they feel about the fact that you're giving them homework? You can use that simply as, you know, your own checklist. You take the form and, and you start asking questions uh, based on uh, those uh, uh, questions in those uh, uh, forms. And, and this, is, this is one very good use for the form. Or alternatively, again, if you can ask a third person, a third party that knows them well enough, do you think that they think that I, or just assess yourself, again, you have to see yourself through their eyes, not based on your standards and, and what you think is, is a good behavior, a trustworthy behavior. There are different questions for different roles. So this is where I'm going to say that the, the workbook of trust and trusted at work focus on the work environment. Really, you, you can use them whether you're a leader, a colleague, a peer, a, a, an employee, a subordinate, or, or anything, but they're, they're focused on roles uh, that, that are workplace roles. Uh, and, and you have to possibly ask different questions if you are judging yourself as a customer, as a salesperson to a customer. And, and I know that it, you're thinking, wait, 
I, I need to be a trustworthy customer. Trust me, I'll back. I'll get back to that. There's going to be an episode, probably not in this season, about being a trustworthy customer and why that's important as well. But I, I digress. A husband, me as a husband or a spouse, um, there are different questions, but the six components still apply. And and I think that I have a few. Uh, I think that I have a few examples here. Maybe I don't, but I'll come up with a few. Uh, government representative. Uh, you need to be more trusted by your constituents. Actually, first, you need to be more trusted by voters so that you will have constituents uh, as a consultant. Different questions. So you have to think about the context of what you're asking. So here are a few sample questions So on competence. And I took those from the forms that I mentioned in the workbook of trust or from the uh, trusted at work course. So competence. Competence, again, to remind you, is more of a technical professional objective uh, type component. So one question to have is, what skills do I need to have? What skills for you to trust me to do my job on our team? What skills do I need to have? Do I have them or how good am I at them? What type of knowledge do I need to have to do my job well? Uh, how do you think, do, do you think that I have that level of knowledge or, or where am I lacking in knowledge? Uh, how about experience? Do you think that I have enough experience? How would you rank me on having enough experience from one to five, from zero to 100? What, what is the experience that you think that I'm missing? I mean, those are little things that by themselves, somebody is going to say, you know what? I would trust you more if you had that specific experience. Man, just think about that. Uh, what do I need to do to get that experience? That might be the thing that's going to cause them to trust you more. Wouldn't it be easy if, if you just found? And it is that easy. Now, there are more generic questions, but, but again, they, they may matter differently at different levels or not matter at all to certain people. So you want to make sure that this matters to them, not just that how they rank you, but how much does it matter to you that I meet schedules or that I miss schedules all the time? On some roles, they're going to say, I don't care. So, you know, you may know that you miss schedules all the time, but they're going to say, I don't care. Find things they care about that would help you, uh, that will prevent you from being less trustworthy than, than you want to be. Quality of my work, pretty generic. What would you say about the quality of my work? Where is it lacking? Again, note that the question that I'm asking is always on the negative side. Where am I lacking? What is it that I'm not doing? What is it that, that I should have been doing and I'm not doing? Uh, do I finish what I started? I got to admit to you, to me, starting things comes so much easier than finishing things. I have to force myself to finish things. It doesn't come naturally, but maybe some people just don't finish things. And, and I'm sure that if I look hard, I'm going to find things that I didn't finish. Am I consistent or am I inconsistent? So those are types, examples of questions. The forums have more, but come up with your own questions. You're trying to find what is the thing that they care about that matters to them that you're not doing well enough or doing badly that holds you back from being trusted because it's holding you back from being trustworthy through their eyes in the area of competence. Personality compatibility. There are, again, the personality compatibility kind of ranges from universal things, absolute things like, do I lie? 
now this is going to be a little hard because I, I don't think that anybody would look to you to your face unless they already have a certain level of trust in you. But sometimes they will and say, you don't tell me the truth a lot or you lie to me. And I know when you lie to me, by the way, wake up call. They see that you lie and you know how? Probably the inconsistency between your words and your body language. So do I lie? Uh, and, and it doesn't matter. In this case, frankly, even if you think that they can't tell, if you know that you lie and you think that they can't tell that you lie, that's probably one thing. And you think they can't tell, but they really can so this is kind of the personal, then obviously there's the cultural organization level. Do you think that I follow policies? Do you think my ethical standards are according to the organizations and so on and so forth? So, so this is more local. It's less universal. Uh, you may have things in your organization, your ethical standards or code of ethics or employee manual or whatever uh, that uh, are different than, than universal country, national, whatever. Uh, level. So uh, you want to go through those. Those are still kind of bad, good. But then you get down to the uh, personal. So uh, one thing is um, the risk-taking profile. And I mentioned it before when I talked about personality compatibility. Some people are risk-takers. Some people are risk-averse. Which one is, is good or which one is bad? Well, there aren't good and bad here. You probably need both of them. But risk-takers typically don't lose trust in people who are risk averse. I mean, they're annoyed by them. They wish they would take a little more risk, but I'm not sure that they don't trust them because of that. Uh, they typically look at them as people who ground them, uh, keep them honest and keep them down to the ground, helping the project uh, actually getting uh, done. But people who are risk averse would typically not trust people who are risk takers because they look at them as reckless and irresponsible and so on. So are we compatible in our risk-taking profile? Are we, um, what values are important to them? And are we compatible on those values? Are, are we aligned? Are we opposite? Uh, you know, again, there's the, uh, there, there are different values that I can think of. I mean, political values, I don't even want to start there. Some people say, I don't care that I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, or I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican. I, I don't care. That doesn't play a big role. For some people, it does. Some people would say, you're a Democrat. I can't work with you. I can't trust you. You have a complete different set of standards or, or values than I do, and, and I can't trust you. So once again, the, the, there are two questions. Are we compatible? And, and I'll remind you that being compatible does not mean being identical. Being compatible can be being complementary. So you're one thing, I'm the other. You're the extrovert, I'm the introvert. We work very well together. If we use uh, Pet Lencioni's uh, working genius, I'm an inventor, you're an executioner. He has different words for them. But I'm, I'm a person that likes to invent things and never finish them. You're a person that just likes to do things. We work very well together, although we are completely not identical. So you need to know how important it is to them and how compatible you are with them along this uh, line. Symmetry and fairness. Uh, symmetry, uh, are we on the same side of things? That's, that's an important thing. Do they feel that you're not on their side, that you and them are not on the same side? 
Do you have a common mission and vision that you both subscribe to? So you, you may have organizationally, you may have the same mission or vision statements, but they really believe in it and they're very passionate about it and you are not. And that bothers them, that bugs them. So you may have the same one, but it's just that you don't believe in it and, and you don't subscribe to it. Uh, you're not passionate about that. Do you share a common enemy? So when they say, you know, there, there's nothing that we are both scared of, that, that we both fear, that we're both angry about. So we don't have a common enemy. Or do you? Is our dependency on one another symmetrical? Uh, that's that's important too. Uh, knowing that that they're more dependent on you than you are dependent on them. And maybe that bothers them because they know that because you're not dependent on them, they can't trust you as much because you don't care what they think about you. So uh, how symmetrical is our mutual dependency, interdependency? Contribution. If you're contributing more than they do to whatever project or whatever you're working on, that's not going to be an issue for them. Might be an issue for you, but that's not going to be an issue for them. That issue becomes, once again, bad is stronger than good, much stronger than good. The issue is going to become when you contribute less than they do. So imagine if, if there's a tight schedule, tight budget that, you know, it's a common enemy, if you will. They come to work every morning at 6 a.m. They don't leave before 10 p.m. They come in on weekends. You show up at 9 a.m., go home at 5 p.m. You don't want to hear from anybody. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to do anything. You definitely don't want to do anything over the weekend. They contribute more than you do, or more importantly, you contribute less than they do. So how symmetrical is that? Uh, are you getting more than they do? See, if they're getting more than you do, it's not a problem for them. Might be a problem for you, but not a problem for them. But if you are getting more than the, and when I say getting compensation, mindshare, management, mindshare, management listens to you more than they listen to them, that would bother them. The, the other person that needs to trust you, that management listens to you more. Uh, time management, time, uh, resources, other things. If you're getting more than they do, I don't remember the number exactly in one of my studies. It was something like 32% that uh, they're going to trust you less because you're getting more stuff than they do. Let's talk about interactions. Let's talk about the, what you do when you interact with the other person. So things to think about or questions to ask them or, or to ask yourself trying to be uh, to look at yourself from their perspective. We'll start with positivity. That's that's kind of the foundation to what happens in an interaction. Are you a no BS person or are you a BS person? So what what do you bring into the interaction? Do you say what you mean? Now, you may think that you can not you can say something else, but you know what? They can see your body language. They can see the inconsistency of your words and your nonverbal communications. And when they see that inconsistency, as Albert Morabian said, they distrust you. Are you someone who beats around the bush? You know, you keep going around, around, around in circles other than actually touching the point. Do you blame others? How often do you blame others? Now, you may think that uh, when you say, uh, oh, you know what, this is that person's fault, that the other person that you want to be more trusted by 
may say, yeah, yeah, I know. But is that what they're thinking? Or are they thinking, this guy, this Yoram guy, he keeps blaming others. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to play along, but I don't trust them. Remember, you're not going to get that feedback if they don't trust you. You're going to get that feedback 106%. They're going to be more 106% more willing to give you that feedback if they trust you. So they may not give you the, give you the feedback. They may just play along, but they really are bothered or it's holding you back, the fact that you blame others. Do you make assumptions more than you rely on data? So do they consider you a person who makes more assumptions than, than really relying on data? Does it bother them? Once again, it's not just to know what you're doing that's bad. It's to know what you're doing that's bad that's important to them. This combination is, is really critical. It's not just what you do that's bad. It's what you do that's bad that's important to them, that really bothers them. Because some things you're doing that are bad are not important to them. Again, not to you, to them. You suffer from confirmation bias. So you only bring data. So now you're not using assumptions. You actually bring data, but only data that would support your point. Or do you bring up data that does not support your point? Uh, do you tell jokes when it's appropriate, at the right place, at the right time? Or not? Uh, do you give them feedback? I mean, maybe you're a person that goes that just nods and, and they know that you're not going to give them feedback. They may know that you give them feedback behind their backs. So ask them, is that an area? Uh, do you give too much feedback? You know, do you give too much feedback that makes them feel pretty small? That might be something. The other part of positivity is the empathy or the opposite of that, the, the self-centrism. Uh, do you speak more than you talk, more than you listen? Yeah, you can speak more than you talk, but do you speak more than you listen? Uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm saying this as if uh, it's absolute. It's not absolute. You may speak more than you listen, but the other person is an introvert that prefers you to speak more than you listen. So it's really, ask yourself, is it something bad and is it important to them? Do you behave like there's only one side to the story? And obviously, it's your side, right? Do you always discount their side of the story or do you listen? Do you keep an open mind? Do you show them that you keep an open mind to go, you know what, I, I can see your side as well. Once again, this is relative. This is this is on a personal level. This, this is not absolute. So don't, don't assume that that's how you have to be. This is what makes any person trustworthy, more trustworthy in any relationship. Are you transparent? Do you share enough? Uh, are you overly sensitive? If you're overly sensitive, if every second word, and, and, and I have relationships like that, where every second word that I say, I know that the other person uh, is going to be extremely offended. You know, they're, they're going to become emotional and irrational and nobody wins anything. So are you overly sensitive? Do they perceive you as being overly sensitive? And because of that, they can't tell you anything just because they don't want you to blow up. Do you bring value to a meeting or do they consider you someone who drains value? You know, what is it, Debbie Downer, uh, that every meeting, every gathering she gets into, she always finds the, the downside of things. 
you know, you're the devil, devil's advocate. We need devil's advocate. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. We need somebody to see the other side. But are you always the person that sees the negative? Are you the person that always drains the energy out of a meeting? Or are you the person that as soon as you walk into the meeting, people start smiling and they go, this is going to be a good meeting. Your arm is in this meeting. This is going to be a good meeting. Or are they thinking, oh, God, Yoram just walked in. This is going to be bad. This is not going to be a good meeting. Are you a win-win person or are you a zero-sum game person? I, and I'm not asking you to answer this question. I'm asking you to ask them or find out what they think about you. Do they think that for you to win, they have to lose or they think of you as someone who is trying not only to win yourself, but to have have them, help them win, kind of grow the pie. So think about those things in the context of your interaction, to what you do during an interaction. But again, from their perspective, with what's important to them, we want to find out what's the worst thing that you do that is important to them. So in the what you do, there is the positivity, the no BS and the uh, empathy. And then there are the accelerators, the time and the intimacy. So from a time perspective, just again, from their perspective, you want to know what they want. Are you communicating with them enough? So this is the time component. Uh, are you communicating with them long enough? Every time you meet with them, I mean, they, they may think that, uh, man, he, he doesn't have time for me. I mean, we meet for like five minutes and in, in a week and that's it. This is all the time we spend. With. We never get to, to bring up issues. To, he doesn't listen, by the way, in those five minutes. Uh, you may be meeting too long with them. So you want to be aware of that as well. I mean, the, you can have someone who's going, man, this, this is going to be forever. I mean, he schedules a two-hour meeting with me every time and two hours is just too much. So you want to know what's not too much, what's not too short from their perspective in interacting with you. Do you meet with them often enough or too often? So once again, think of it kind of as a, an upside down U-shaped curve. I meet with you often enough. I meet with you uh, often enough would be the optimal, the, the highest level of trust versus you meet with them not often enough or too often. So you want to know from their perspective, what's the right time? And this can change over time with, with projects, with where you are on the project and, and uh, other external factors. So you want to know it at a specific point in time. But since you're going to be working on this habit for 90 days, you want something that's not just, well, this week you're meeting me too often. You want to see that over a longer stretch of time. Are your meetings predictable enough? So I, I know, you know, we're talking about time. Do they happen every week on the same day at the same time? That actually helps build trust um, as opposed to you meet with them by showing up at their doorstep, at their office door and just walking in. So those are the type of things you want to uh, look for in the time component of the what you do. Intimacy. Do you communicate more over email or text versus in person? Now, I don't want to say that this is universal, but I already mentioned that the higher the intimacy, the faster you're going to build trust because they're going to be in a position to see that your body language and what you say are consistent. And, and you want to make sure that, that they, it is consistent. So when we talk about intimacy, remember that 
if you're saying if what you say is not what you mean, it's going to show in the inconsistency of your nonverbal cues and the words that you actually use. So it's kind of a two-edged sword that if you go there with uh, you, you have meetings in person as opposed to over email, but they can see the inconsistency between your body language and your words. They're going to trust you less, uh, even if the things that you're saying are positive. So that's that's another thing to care about in intimacy. Now. I gave you an, an example, a sample set of questions. First of all, I already told you that varies with different roles, different relationships. The relationship you have with your boss, the relationship you, with you, ha- you have with your employees are not the same. The relationship you have with your wife or, or husband are, are not the same. The relationship with your government representatives or with your constituents and so on. Those are different relationships. You're going to have to ask different questions along the same lines of those six components. Just apply them to the right relationship when you ask those questions. But don't limit yourself to the questions I gave you here or the questions in the workbook of trust uh, worksheets or the questions in trusted work worksheets. Actually, those are the same uh, worksheets. Don't limit yourself to those. Uh, Come up with, uh, you're trying to find out what's the bad thing that you, what's the worst thing that you're doing in that relationship along those six components that matters to them. Again, not the worst thing from your perspective, the worst thing from their perspective that matters to them. And to wrap up step two, once again, I'm going to give you an assignment. And once again, and the assignment is going to be to find that one bad thing that you do in that relationship that holds you back from being trusted to do something at the level that you want to be trusted with. Once again, my recommendation is going to be to not move to the next episode until you have done that or or not move to the next step until you have done that. Sure, you can listen to all the episodes uh, just to understand how this works. But uh, if you want to work on yourself, then how do you do this first before you move on to the next step? So what is it that we're trying to do? I want you to write down. The one bad thing that I am doing is, so I'm going to give you my example, uh, what my peer told me about my four direct reports. They complained that I communicate over email. I don't leave my office, I, even though their offices are pretty close. I don't leave my office. I communicate over email. That's the one bad thing that I do. Ask yourself, what is the credibility of the source? So how do you know that the source telling you this is credible enough? In my case, I knew that that person my colleague, my peer, knew my four direct reports for several years. Uh, so he had a good understanding of them, a good relationship with them. To, so, so I gave it a pretty high credibility score to uh, how credible is it that, uh, uh, that he knows them, that, that what he's telling me is really what they're feeling. Which of the six components is it at? So there are six components, three of who you are, competence, personality compatibility, symmetry, and three in the what you do. Positivity, BS in uh, self-centrism or, or empathy, time and intimacy. So what, what of the six components? And the reason we're, we're highlighting this or circling this is so that later when we come up in the next step, step three, when we come up with what is it that you're going to do instead, you want to make sure that you're actually addressing the same component. How is what I do causing me to lose that trust? So 
they can see my body language. In, in my context, uh, they, they were not able to see my body language when, when I said something. Uh, they had to make assumptions about what I made, what I said, because I said it over email and you know how email is. Uh, and to me, English is a second language. So how accurate am I going to be? And one day I may tell you uh, something, an email that I wrote to someone um, that I used the wrong word and he really, really took it bad and, and it wasn't intention. It was really just the, uh, I used the wrong word. Um, they don't know what if I mean what I say when all they read is an email. They know what they read in the email, and they may try to read the body language of the email, but they may know what they may not know what I really do mean. Um, they may have thought that I'm avoiding them. So the reason I'm sending emails, not leaving my office, not coming to see them in person, maybe it's because I'm trying to avoid them. I can't fight that perception. That's their perception. And that's what they might feel. So the question that you ask yourself is, how is what I do bad affecting their trust in me or their perception of my own trustworthiness? And as I said before, don't move to the next step until you're done with this one. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.